so I am recording this part of the episode a few days after I recorded everything else. By the time I'm recording this part of the episode, it is April 13th, and that marks a year since the creation and the first episode of the AZ Sports Podcast. And to the, you know, I just wanted to say that I really appreciate you guys listening to this podcast, whether you are a sports junkie like me and you understand every single thing I'm talking about. Or you're just, you know, like a, f- like a friend or a family member and you have no idea what I'm talking about. I really appreciate you guys taking the time and listening to this podcast. And I'm hoping that I can continue doing this for, for years to come. And without further ado, let's just get into this one-year special. Hey guys, my name is Ian and welcome back to the AZ Sports Podcast. This episode is just going to be my own mock draft of the 2021 NFL draft, so we're just going to get right into it. So this will be my first and probably only mock draft when it comes to the 2021 NFL mock draft. So how this will work is that I'm going to be making decisions for all 32 picks, and that's going to be based off of my own personal draft board. So this isn't going to be predictive. It's All of these picks are based off of what I would do personally. And this, would, this mock draft will only be for round one. I'm not going to make this episode outrageously long and do a two, three, seven round mock draft. Only going to be doing round one, so that's 32 picks. And we are going to begin with the number one pick, and that will be owned by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, this pick is going to be more of a contradiction to what I just said. Personally, the quarterback from BYU, Zach Wilson, is my number one quarterback in this draft over the incumbent uh, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. I like Zach Wilson a lot. I really fell in love with him throughout this draft process. I have him over Lawrence, which is very controversial. I'm not going to make it make the first I'm not going to make this uh mock draft start out with an absolutely controversial pick. So I'm going to be selecting Trevor Lawrence. The reason why Zach Wilson though is my number 1 quarterback, his mechanics are superb and the same can be said for his his passing accuracy, his pocket presence, his feel in the pocket. And he also has a nice running ability. He almost reminds me of like a like an Aaron Rodgers from Green Bay. And the, the knock on him right now is mainly he, he was a small school quarterback. He went to BYU and that's that argument's kind of I don't like that argument much. Let's go with Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, for example. A lot of the defenses that they're going against are extremely basic, and a lot of their those teams, their opponents, their focus is mainly on offense, and they're not facing a ton of greatly schemed and perfected defenses. When you're in BYU, there's a lot more of an effort to try to make the defense better. 
So there's a lot more complex schemes that Zach Wilson and another quarterback like Trey Lance is seeing. When you're somebody like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields at these big-time colleges, they're not going to be seeing a whole lot of great defenses, greatly schemed defenses at that. So for now, Zach Wilson is my number one quarterback, but this is going to be a little bit more of a predictive pick. I have Trevor Lawrence there, who's still a franchise-caliber quarterback, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. The only question that I have for Trevor Lawrence is his slight hitch that he shows in his throwing motion. But outside of that, he always keeps his eyes down the field. He can develop plays if need be. He has amazing pocket presence, and he has a very strong and accurate arm. I don't. Th- I think this is the perfect pick and the perfect situation for Trevor Lawrence to end up in going to be an Urban Meyer system and scheme. There's a whole lot of weapons around him. They have another first-round pick where they could possibly protect him, get him more weapons, maybe build up the defense. So just grabbing Trevor Lawrence with the number one pick is a great start to the rebuild in Jacksonville. The number two selection belongs to the New York Jets, and this is where I have Zach Wilson. I am picking up Zach Wilson right here. They already traded away their... Former starting quarterback Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. They got themselves extra draft capital for this year and for next year. It was a. I thought that it was a good move to trade away Sam Darnold. The previous head coaching staff uh, that was with Sam Darnold, I felt they were a big problem and really stopped Sam Darnold's development. I really believe in him as a star level quarterback I'm not going to say hall of fame but I definitely think that with the right coaching staff he can be a star in this league and I felt that it was perfect too I thought that a breakup between Darnold and the Jets was at a perfect time they added in another head coach they brought in a new scheme new system um, from the 49ers they bring in Zach Wilson who should be able to thrive in this offense. I don't think there's a whole lot to say outside of this is was this would be a slam dunk selection and that this would it would be very surprising if they passed up on Zach Wilson. I love what he brings from a versatility standpoint, his ability to move around in the pocket, his arm. He's he has a Pro Bowl left tackle for his blind side. He also has some other solid weapons such as Jameson Crowder, such as a newly brought in Corey Davis. They also have a whole lot more draft picks in this draft and in next year, so they have a lot of flexibility and they have a they have a lot to work with. Zach Wilson has a lot to work with um, along with a great coaching staff who's going to be able to scheme him up very nicely. He this coaching staff comes from San Francisco, a Kyle Shanahan offense and He ran a lot of play action, which I believe is perfect for Zach Wilson's skill sets. This is, it would be extremely surprising to not to see Zach Wilson be passed up by the Jets. And this is exactly what I would do. This is the number two quarterback in a whole lot of other drafts. He would probably be the number one pick in the draft and getting Zach Wilson that too is a steal in my eyes. 
So not only are those first two picks what I would do, but that's what is going to be widely expected throughout these next two and a half weeks leading up to the NFL draft. But this is where it gets interesting. At number three, uh, formerly of the Miami Dolphins, the 49ers traded up from 12 to 3, mortgaging their future, trading away multiple future first-round picks to move up to 3 to presumably draft a future franchise quarterback. So as of lately, there has been a ton of buzz around the Alabama quarterback, Mac Jones, and a lot of people are mocking him to the San Francisco 49ers. Now, as a Cardinal fan, I would love for that to happen because he's probably the the worst quarterback out of the top five uh, quarterbacks in this draft. Uh, he showed a lot of inaccuracy in his pro days, but he, as of late, has probably been the best Bama quarterback out there. He really... I felt that he elevated Devontae Smith's game a lot more than a lot of people give him credit for. A lot of people don't like Alabama quarterbacks just due to the fact that their surrounding cast is absolutely stacked. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people that don't like Tua, the Miami quarterback right now. Um, there's a reason why A.J. McCarron went into the sixth round all those years ago because, quite frankly, they didn't like them as quarterback prospects but i i like mac jones as a prospect i think that he is a first round talent but i don't think that he i question him being a top five top three pick but luckily this isn't predictive this is what i would do i'm taking the next best quarterback talent available right now and that's the ohio state quarterback justin fields so they're really there shouldn't have ever been any question about whether Justin Fields was a good football player. This dude is, I forget his height, but he runs a 4-4-1 in the 40-yard dash, so he can be extremely versatile as a runner, as a running quarterback. He also has very great accuracy as a strong arm. I There really wasn't any questions about him as a talent because as a thrower, as a runner, his versatility, there's no questions about that. A lot of people have knocked him down, though, due to his tendency to look and stare down at his first read, which I believe can be coached up, but that showed up in a lot of these the bad games that he had this year. I forget. I remember one of them was Northwestern. He had a bad problem with that in that game. And there was another game. I forgot which one that was. But Justin Fields is for sure the number three quarterback. And you let him sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo, whose time in San Fran is going to be coming to an end soon. You put Justin Fields in the year after should thrive in that Shanahan offense, as should every quarterback in the league. I mean, Kyle Shanahan made Matt Ryan an MVP in Atlanta five years ago. So Justin Fields to San Fran, I believe, is a perfect fit. You have 
a bunch of these gadget wide receivers and Debo Samuel and Brandon Nayuk. You also have another talented running back in Mostert. A great offensive line. You have a staple on your blind side for the next five, six years. So Justin Fields of San Fran, I think, should be a no-brainer. It's a perfect fit. He's the best quarterback prospect available. That's where San Fran should go, especially since they don't have these assets to make any other major moves. Justin Fields should be the number three pick in this year's draft. Now at number four, we have the Atlanta Falcons, who is another team that's very interesting. This team hired a new head coach in Arthur Smith, who is the offensive coordinator with the Titans this past season and for years past. They're going to... Excuse me, this team has not a whole lot of glaring issues, at least on the offensive side. I think they have a good offensive line. They have a good quarterback in Matt Ryan, who's who's nearing the tail end of his career, and the same can be said for their star receiver Julio Jones, but they also have other weapons like Calvin Ridley and, and Hayden Hurst for now. They also brought in Mike Davis in free agency. It feels that if there was if there was like a Derrick Brown prospect in this year's draft, he would probably go to number four to Atlanta. This team has a lot of issues regarding their defensive side, but there isn't Really, there's not any defensive products or defensive line products that deserve to go in the top five. Maybe not even the top ten. Never mind, not the top ten. But the top five, I don't think that there's any transcendent defensive talents in this draft. So I looked towards the best available player. I looked at trade-down options there. I guess it was hard for me to find a prospect now these picks are also based off of what the teams have already done in this offseason they recently restructured their quarterback matt ryan's contract so that in later years they would he would have a bigger cap hit and it may not be the smartest choice to get yourself a a quarterback considering that you're going to be locked into Matt Ryan for another three years or so. But since they restructured his contract, it's going to be easier to trade him. I'm going to be entertaining trade calls all day, and I'm going to be selecting Trey Lance out of North Dakota State, who is probably one of the most polarizing quarterback draft prospects that I have seen. He's a quarterback who a couple years ago, statistically speaking, he was amazing. He had 3,000-plus passing yards to go along with close to 30 touchdowns, and he had no interceptions. In a 13-game season, that's extremely, extremely impressive. But the problem is that was two years ago for one. He only played in one game this past season, which was the amount of games that North Dakota State played. He only played one game. And he doesn't have this... Okay, from a statistical standpoint, that is an extremely impressive stat line. 
he didn't have these games where he completely overtook and took over a game and willed his team back to a win. We didn't see those moments like that. He was just a good quarterback. He's Based off of his tape, he's a good quarterback that has a lot of upside, but you just wish to have seen these seen this uh, future star in him. And quite frankly, we didn't see that. So he's such a polarizing prospect where he may not be deserving of a top five pick, but there's so much potential in this kid and he could fit perfectly in this new offense. He could be this next Tannehill. They probably are going to want to run a little bit more of these run pass options, these RPOs. And he has good legs. He could scramble out of the pocket if need be. He also has some solid accuracy. He's just a solid quarterback, and it's going to be risky to trade away your starting quarterback in order to grab yourself a quarterback that also has a bunch of unknowns. But I think that this is an opportunity that Atlanta is going to be willing to take, and that's going to be what I'm willing to do. I'm what I'm going to try to get myself a future quarterback to build with Calvin Ridley, possibly Hayden Hurst, and build around this offensive line. I'm selecting Trey Lance for Atlanta. Now, this number five selection was really easy. Um, it's the Cincinnati Bengals at number five, and I'm selecting the Oregon tackle, Panay Sewell. They are probably one of the biggest winners from this, from the trades that have happened in the top ten. They really benefited from the Dolphins pretty much giving up Panay Sewell in order to get themselves more assets. Panay Sewell reminds me a lot of Trent Williams with his technique and his physical abilities as an offensive tackle, which are really impressive. A lot of teams have, in other mock drafts, have seen him fall. And I really don't understand that this is a transcendent tackle. And given how last season ended for Cincinnati, they saw their number one pick tear his ACL due to his offensive lineman running into his leg, which is a terrible mistake. I think that this should be the number one priority for the Cincinnati Bengals. They got themselves solid receiver prospects. T. Higgins, a great receiver that developed great chemistry with Joe Burrow. They also have Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd. I'm pretty sure Auden Tate is still there. He was pretty solid in the slot as well. They could potentially get themselves another receiver later on in this draft. But it felt like they didn't make too much of an effort to revamp the offensive line out of outside of signing Riley Reef to a one-year deal. But even then, he's just a Band-Aid for right now. You bring in Panay Sewell, and he's going to be the cornerstone, and he's going to be the main guy that's going to be protecting Joe Burrow for the next, hopefully, 10, 15 years. This is a no-brainer pick for me. Panay Sewell to the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Now the sixth pick belongs to the Miami Dolphins. After the Dolphins traded down with the with the San Francisco 49ers, they traded up from 12 to 6 with the Eagles while giving up a future first round pick in the process. I didn't like that the Dolphins traded back just due to the fact that they should probably look at protecting Tua if that's who they believe is their future franchise quarterback. But then I began to think and this it makes a lot of sense to maybe try to get more weapons around the Dolphins and Tua. I thought about Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, but I thought that was really redundant to their current tight end, Mike uh, Jasicki. Bringing in Kyle Pitts will essentially eliminate uh, Jasicki from the offense, and uh, Jasicki as a weapon is really important to what the Dolphins want to do on offense. So instead, I'm going to be selecting the the best wide receiver prospect in Jamar Chase from uh, LSU. He's a player that's extremely versatile. He could play in the slot. He could play on the outside. He can. He has blazing speed, so he can run deep. He can have the short burst on those intermediate routes. He has great hands. I think this is also, at this point, where they're uh, slotted to pick. I think this is a no-brainer pick. I think it's going to be between him and Panay Sewell if the Bengals end up getting uh, Jamar Chase instead of Sewell. But in this situation, you get yourself Jamar Chase, who could probably, in this scenario, will be on the outside um, opposite of Devontae Parker. They also have Preston Williams in the slot. He could also play in the slot. Jamar Chase can extremely versatile weapon as a receiver and this is a player that could become the security blanket for Tua for years to come. Now the Detroit Lions are selecting at number seven. Detroit doesn't really have a ton of needs. All they really have to do is just upgrade at every single position if need be. You know they have Jared Goff, they traded away Matthew Stafford, I don't think it's smart at this point in time to draft themselves a quarterback. I don't think that there would be anybody interested in taking on Jared Goff's contract. They have a meh offensive line. They could try to get better there, but I don't know if Slater would be the correct pick at number seven, especially if they want him to play tackle, because I think he's more fitted to play at the guard. Their defense, I don't know if, I don't think there's anybody worthy of, as of right now, at number seven to select it. it I don't think it's right to pick a defensive player right now at number seven. So I'm just going to try to upgrade it on the offense. I don't think Kyle Pitts is the right pick. They already have a tight end in Hawkinson. I think what I'll do here, I also looked at trade-down options. I don't think that there was... Anybody that was willing to trade up at this point in time. So I'm going to be selecting Jalen Waddell from Alabama. Over the Heisman winner, Devontae Smith, I get it. Uh, it may not make sense from that point, from that standpoint. Jalen Waddell really fits in as that 
Danny Amendola role that he played in Detroit as that slot receiver, very quick and speedy right off of the line of scrimmage. They lost not only Amendola, he hasn't signed with anybody, but he's a free agent. They also lost Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, their top two receivers, and their number three receiver is currently a free agent, and I don't think that they're going to be bringing him back. I think Jalen Waddle is a player that, for his skill set and for his position, which is a slot receiver, it it's a no-brainer for Detroit at this point. They get an upgrade on their offense, maybe a security blanket for right now for Jared Goff. I don't I think that Waddle is a perfect fit next to nobody, really. I think it's a good fit for Jalen Waddle and the Detroit Lions. Now at number eight is the Carolina Panthers, and they lucked into Kyle Pitts in this mock draft. It's a perfect pick for the Panthers. They brought in Sam Darnold for for right now just to be they're pretty much experimenting with Sam Darnold as their starting quarterback right now. They're going to look for assets to gain back to trade away um, Teddy Bridgewater, who was their quarterback last season. It doesn't make sense to select a quarterback right now. They could look at upgrading at defense, but they s- selected with every pick last year a defensive player, so I don't think it's right to select an eighth straight defensive player in the draft you get yourself another weapon uh next to Robbie Anderson DJ Moore um I believe they brought in another receiver I can't remember his name right now I think it's great to pick up Kyle Pitts they don't have a starting caliber tight end and Kyle Pitts you may as well not put him at a tight end he's your gadget receiver in a sense. He's not the greatest blocker, I'll say that, but he's super lanky and super quick where he doesn't need to line up as a tight end. He could very well line up on the outside and in the slot. His versatility is going to come in a big way for this Carolina Panthers team, especially for Sam Darnold, who really hasn't had any player like him or like DJ Moore before. This is a excellent pick. They lucked into Kyle Pitts, who maybe outside of Panay Sewell, probably the number one non, not the number one, the number two non-quarterback in this draft class. I love what Kyle Pitts uh, brings to this Panthers offense, and another player that could just be, like I've said in the other two picks, a security blanket for Sam Darnold right now. It's a perfect pick. That's all I really have to say to that. Now at number nine is the Denver Broncos, who is another team that's really complete on almost all aspects of their team. They brought in Kyle Fuller from the Chicago Bears, who is a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback. They also brought in Ronald Darby, another cornerback, who is criminally underrated but is for the contract that they signed him for is it's a bargain he's an amazing corner that really needs a lot more recognition than he does they pair those two up with kareem jackson and justin simmons 
They also have the interior pressure of Shelby Harris. And I forgot who they're... It was, the dude was a third or fourth rounder for Denver in 2019. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, that's going to bug me. But they have them to pair to go along with Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. It feels like on defense they don't have a ton of weaknesses right now. And on offense they have all the weapons. They have a pretty damn good offensive line, a good running back. The only question about this team, they all they need is a quarterback that could take them over the hump. And I'm very weary of selecting Mac Jones to the Broncos. They have Drew Locke there right now. I would think that Mac Jones would be an upgrade over Drew Locke, but I don't I don't know. I'm very curious and very worried about the fit um, with Mac Jones and the Denver Broncos. So I'm just looking at other potential upgrades. They don't necessarily need a corner anymore. They already have their answers to that. They also selected more last year, so I think that's now out of the picture. So I'm just going to go with the best available defensive player. And you know, not named a cor- not as a cornerback. I'm gonna be selecting Micah Parsons out of Penn State. He's a middle linebacker who has some solid coverage abilities. He also is extremely quick, so he can uh, be a coverage guy or at least a a big body in pass coverage. He's also pretty solid at run stuffing, and he's also probably one of the best blitzing middle linebackers. In the game, he's pretty damn good at putting pressure on the quarterback as a middle linebacker, which is is rare to see. His traits as a middle linebacker is rare. And putting him with the pass rush duo of Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, with that defense, that's scary. The quarterback question, um, the quarterback position... Uh, it remains to be seen what they do at that position if they bring in competition for him. But it, it feels that if they're if they're not gonna go quarterback, I feel that Micah Parsons would be an excellent addition to this Broncos team. Now at number ten, rounding out the top ten is the Dallas Cowboys, who is a team that struggled terribly on the defensive end especially when it comes to the secondary i've seen some uh draft pundits mock a offensive lineman to the cowboys which makes sense but i don't think that they need a whole lot of offensive um pieces at this moment they have a lot of a lot of those players invested in the last couple of years i think that they really have to invest their time in the defensive end, and that's why I am going to be selecting the cornerback from Alabama, Patrick Sertain, the second. A cornerback who has extreme and superb athletic traits, along with a great ability to play in man, but he also has the versatility to play in a zone defense. Um, I This is going to be the 
probably going to be the Richard Sherman of this defense. They brought in uh, Dan Quinn to be the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. You need They need a lockdown corner badly after the underperformance of really that entire defense. They could really add anybody on the defensive end at this spot. They could add themselves a Micah Parsons after how badly Vander Esch and Jalen Smith have played. Right now they have Trevon Diggs, who was a second rounder last year. He didn't play well, but that's okay because a rookie on a rookie corner doesn't usually play well on the um in their rookie year. Patrick Sertain, he might have to go through those struggles in his first year, but he's going to be a staple on that defense for years to come. He's the number one corner in this draft. Like I said about his coverage abilities, I also really rave about his speed, which is important as a corner. He is one of the best uh, corner prospects I've seen since Jalen Ramsey. Yes, <laughs> Jalen Ramsey, um, Patrick Sertain, number one corner. I have him going to Dallas. Now we move to the number 11 pick, which belongs to the New York Giants. They really made a ton of splashes in this offseason. They brought in Kenny Galladay, the receiver from Detroit, on a massive deal. They also brought in Adoree Jackson to be their number two corner opposite of James Bradbury. And right now, they well, last year they drafted another offensive lineman in Andrew Thomas, who had his struggles last season, but then again, an offensive lineman, as these last few years have shown, uh, is one of the hardest positions to get adjusted to and develop at. We've seen DJ Humphreys, I'll use him for an example, with the Arizona Cardinals. It took him four years to um, adjust and become a starting level offensive tackle and once he did that he elevated his game to be elite this last year and now he's on a big contract um who's another offensive lineman i just had him in my head um garrett bowles from the denver broncos was pretty much a bust he was labeled a bust from a ton of people a ton of analysts this year he really broke out i I forgot if he was elected to the Pro Bowl, but he was a Pro Bowl-level offensive tackle, and he also got himself a nice payday. So I still believe in Andrew Thomas. I don't think it's necessary to try to build up on more weapons, I guess. I think you really have to make it... A, you got to make it a lot about protecting Daniel Jones because this is essentially his his last chance of proving that he could be a starting level um, franchise quarterback for this New York Giants team. That's why I have him selecting the best available offensive lineman right now, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. He has the ability to play tackle. I think he's more slated to become a guard, which even then is he's probably that's that's where he is best placed at as an offensive guard. 
but his ability to play the tackle last year just shows his versatility and how great he is at multiple positions. I really do think that this offensive line, now that they lost Kevin Zeitler, um, Nate Solder has always been bad. <laughs> He's always been bad. You bring in Rashawn Slater, who, along with Andrew Thomas, is going to be staples on your offensive line for years to come, whether that be for Daniel Jones or for another quarterback in the future. But for right now, you have to build around the quarterback that's with you right now. You bring in Rashawn Slater and you make a push for the playoffs with this roster. At number 12, we finally come up on the Philadelphia Eagles, and this is also another easy selection. There has been reports that came out that they're probably going to be looking towards drafting another quarterback to bring in competition for their incumbent starting quarterback, uh, Jalen Hurts. But I think they really traded back to get themselves a player that they knew they were going to select at six. I'm going to be selecting Devontae Smith, the Heisman winner from Alabama. He The concern about Devontae and the reason why he has taken a fall is just due to his due to his weight uh just plain and simple he's i believe just 170 pounds and being 6'1 6'2 it's a good height but being that light has proven that you know it's not good to be a that light of a receiver i guess we've seen a player like ooh john ross a couple years back he ran a 4-2-2 in the 40-yard dash. All of a sudden, he shot up draft boards. He became the ninth pick. And he really hasn't stayed... Not only has he not stayed healthy, he has been a liability on the offensive side of the ball, which is which is not good. But Devontae Smith, with how great of hands that he has, and he's more of a sure thing with his hands and his route running, um, something that John Ross a couple years ago uh, wasn't a sure thing at. Uh, Devontae Smith, with the Eagles, you get themselves... Um, the Eagles get themselves a player that can... I would say that he would have really good chemistry with Jalen Hurts. I believe in Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. Um, as of right now, they finally get themselves a weapon, which is something that was seemingly lost. They... After the year that Alshon Jeffrey had during the Super Bowl year, it felt like the weaponry really uh, took a dip. And they get themselves Devontae Smith, a playmaker, a very good route runner, uh, great hands, some great speed as well. I think that this was going to be the pick at number six um, all along. And then now that they trade it back, get themselves an extra asset, and still be able to select Devontae Smith is a no-brainer. Now, at number 13 is the LA Chargers. I've, I've, You don't know how many times I've had to redo this part because I kept calling the Chargers the San Diego Chargers. But the LA Chargers, I'm going to select Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech. I think that the main priority this entire offseason was trying to protect Justin Herbert, their rookie quarterback from last year who played amazing he's probably already a top 10 quarterback talent wise an extremely strong arm and he showed with the coaching that he had it had great pocket presence and he really 
was able to extend plays very well. He had a great rookie season. They went out and signed Corey Lindsley, the the all-pro center from Green Bay, to obviously be the center, the starting center for the Chargers this year. They brought in Balaga the year before, Brian Balaga from Green Bay as well, who played pretty well. But then again, he's he has an injury history and it's not it's not healthy and it's not healthy to rely on somebody that has an injury history, which is why they brought in Corey Lindsley, and that's why they released uh Trey Turner, who they traded for two years ago as well. You bring in somebody to protect him on his left side, his blind side. Derisaw fits in right with the current core of the LA Chargers and their not only their offensive line but their offense in general. I think that he's going to be a very very good fit and going to be another staple on that offensive line for years to come. Now at number 14 is the Minnesota Vikings. There's a ton of directions that they could go. They could try to get themselves another rookie corner, although that wouldn't be the right decision. They could try to upgrade at the offensive line. I think that's, for the players that are available right now, I think it's a little too early. I have a pass rusher in mind, especially if they're going to get rid of Danielle Hunter. But even then, they they need pass rush help. I have a player in mind, but I'm not going to select him right here. We're going to actually make a trade down. This is going to be our first trade. We're going to trade down from 14 to 19 with the Washington football team. The Vikings also receive a pick 82 and pick 163 in this year's draft, which is a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick. So they move down five spots. And now we have the football team coming up to get themselves a quarterback in Mac Jones. I figured that this, if he fell this far, um, the football team should try to trade up. They have Fitzpatrick, who is a good band-aid quarterback and a good veteran quarterback just in general. He's you know, extremely intelligent. He's been around this league for however many years, and this is going to be what his... 31st team that he's played on but anyways they if I'm Washington I can't let him fall to 15 to New England if he fell to the New England they we would pretty much know that he would be the pick at 15 you get ahead of New England you give up a third and a fifth for this year to move up five spots select your potential franchise quarterback and now you have a possible future outlook of him as your starting quarterback, who for now is going to learn behind Fitzpatrick, while they also have players such as Antonio Gibson. Uh, as their running backs, they have one of the best receivers in the game, probably the most underrated receiver in the game, and Terry McLaurin. They also brought in, um, oh, what is his name? He's the... Panthers receiver Curtis Samuel and they also have a pretty solid offensive line if I say so myself 
Um, they let Ronald Darby go, which is going to take a hit on their secondary, but their defense is still extremely stacked. They have a great head coaching staff that is headlined by Ron Rivera, who's one of the best game planners, if, I, if I'd say. You know, he's just one of the best coaches in the game that I I don't think he's getting enough respect for the stuff that he's done. And now this team gets themselves another quarterback to work with after the experiment with Dwayne Haskins just fell on fell on its face. Now your quarterback position is stabilized. Sure, you can make some upgrades here and there, but they have future picks that they could use and other picks in this draft that they could use. This is this is a no-brainer for the football team. If they if Mac Jones fell to 14, you go up there and get themselves you go and get yourself Mac Jones. And that's where I have him going. Mac Jones to the Washington football team at 14. Now at 15, we have the New England Patriots. They just saw Mac Jones slip away from their fingertips. Literally one pick before them. There's, I've thought about a certain, a few receivers right here, because I like Nelson Aguilar, and I like Kendrick Bourne next to Edelman, but we don't know which one of those guys are going to be the for sure number one options. I looked at some receivers, and at the end of the day, they, the players, the player that I wanted to select for them was felt redundant to Nelson Aguilar. And I think that a a perfect fit would be Rondell Moore, uh, who's another receiver, but I really didn't feel comfortable selecting him at, at 15. So instead, I wanted to beef up the defense a little more, specifically the, the pass rush. And the player that I thought about immediately when I... Uh, selected Mac Jones for Washington was Gregory Rousseau from from Miami. Um, he's a very big presence. He reminds me a lot of um, Calais Campbell with his uh, pass rush ability and how he's pretty solid at stuff in the run. Um, I guess sometimes he um, gets a little too aggressive, I guess, when uh, it comes to one-on-one matchups to the offensive line where instead of using his length to his advantage he just kind of tries to bull rush uh to the quarterback which isn't you know a bad strategy but um at some points they kind of he kind of has to use some of some finesse to try to get to the quarterback but i think that russo to the patriots is a is a home run pick and you get to beef up the pass rush a little more. You add him with a newcomer in Matt Judon. They also have some very good defensive linemen in in uh, Chase Winovich. They're also going to bring back Dante Hightower. They have a still a fantastic secondary. I think Russo is an amazing pick and an amazing fit. Seems like a player that... Um, Bill Belichick would really like in his scheme and his system. That's who I have going to um I have Gregory Rousseau to the New England Patriots. Now at number sixteen we have my Arizona Cardinals up. A team that also had like a really solid offseason 
but there's one glaring need for this team they could use an upgrade at the wide receiver position because at the end of the day i don't know if christian kirk and aj green are going to be number twos for deandre hopkins i don't know if the interior offensive line is going to be that much better with rodney hudson now we don't know if the pass rush is going to be able to hold up who knows if they're going to miss uh, Hassan Reddick, who they let leave in free agency. I think the one glaring hole for this Cardinals team is that cornerback position, which is which has been a um a lot. There's been a lot of talk around that position th- um, among Cardinal fans. They watched as we let go of our longtime star cornerback in Patrick Peterson. Uh, let him leave to the Vikings. We brought in Malcolm Butler, who I would say he just had his best season last year with the Titans. Um, we brought him in. Byron Murphy is going to be staying as the nickel corner, the slot corner. They brought back Robert Alford, but there really isn't a whole lot of out, you know, outside of um, Malcolm Butler. There really isn't a whole lot of proven commodities at that cornerback position, although I do like uh, Byron Murphy. That's why I'm going to be selecting J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. This has been an extremely popular pick by other pundits. Um, But J.C. Horn, he tested very well um, in his pro day. Uh, Was proven to be very, very quick. He's an... He's a perfect fit for this defense. He's extremely aggressive at the line of scrimmage. Uh, He likes to play a lot of press man, which is a perfect scheme fit for what Vance Joseph wants to do. It seems that what Vance Joseph wants to do, he really wants to... um, He doesn't want to bring too much pass rush, and he really wants to rely on on his corners to keep up and be aggressive when the ball is in the air and being aggressive of not letting the receivers go too far, too deep. And that's why J.C. Horn is just a perfect fit here. There's not a whole lot of corners in the league. That's why we saw Patrick Peterson kind of fall off the last two years. He he doesn't have the speed anymore to keep up with these top-end receivers as much as I liked Peterson. I think it was time to let him go. And J.C. Horn, based off of how the board fell, it's it's a slam dunk pick for, for Arizona. It fills a need. They have other picks where they could fill other needs. I, don't, I think that this was, this was a no-brainer. You pick up J.C. Horn, be the future number one, get to learn behind Malcolm Butler. He's prop, he might start day one, although I don't have a lot of trust in that. Uh, due to the... Due to what we have seen uh, the Cardinals do with Byron Murphy and Isaiah Simmons, but I think that J.C. Horn to Arizona, based off of how the board fell, it's a no-brainer. The 17th pick belongs to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, a few episodes ago, I mentioned how much I hated what the Raiders were doing this offseason. They traded away their two best interior offensive linemen, they also traded away their best tackle. They re-signed uh, Colton Miller to a pretty 
pretty large deal, which was worth it. He was really coming on this past season, but they still need a whole lot of help at the offensive line. And the best available offensive lineman right here is Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, and that's where I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna do if I'm the Raiders. You have to protect Derek Carr. We've seen in previous years that Derek Carr is not good anymore under pressure. When there's a whole lot of pressure in his face, he tends to become inaccurate. He really feels the pressure and tries to do everything very quickly. And they need, while they have Colton Miller, who is a very good tackle, they need a whole lot more offensive lineman help. And Tevin Jenkins is a first-round prospect in my eyes. Tevin Jenkins is going to really help out Derek Carr in a big way. He, he It feels that he is a, a Gruden player uh, based off of his... Uh, tenacity on the on the when it comes to game day and in the practices he seems very aggressive he's a very solid pass blocker and could get better as a run blocker but when it comes to pass protection that is exactly what the Raiders want to do they want to make Derek Carr a a good quarterback I guess you could say and Tevin Jenkins will certainly be a reason if we see the Raiders do good this season it's going to be because of the selection of Tevin Jenkins now at 18 the Miami Dolphins come back I forgot which pick this no this was their own pick they're selecting at 18 I mentioned how I would have loved for them to pick up Panay Sewell to be that staple for Miami for years to come I don't think that it was right, but then they get themselves Jamar Chase, and they still have a good opportunity to get themselves another offensive lineman with this 18th overall selection. With that 18th overall selection, I'm going to look towards the offensive line still. I think that they need a whole lot more more depth. I don't know if Austin Jackson is the answer at tackle. I'm going to be selecting Samuel Cosme from Oklahoma? No, Texas. Texas. He started three years at left tackle, and he has, you know, a really... If he if he didn't have this one problem, which I'll get into in a few seconds, he would probably be getting a whole lot more buzz as a top 10 pick. He's very quick off of the snap. He shows his strength at you know, the point of the snap. Uh, he really does a good job of pass protection. I think that's his main, it, that's his best trait as a pass. He's just a really good pass blocker. My only concern is, probably the biggest concern, is that he's he tends to stay more upright. Uh, he likes to, he stands straight up for the most part when he's blocking. He doesn't really bend his knees and, when that happens, he doesn't play with the best of intensity as we would as we would like. And it sucks. He was for the last couple of years before this year, he was it felt like a guarantee he was gonna be an early first round pick. But because that problem occurred this past season, I think that 
really some that really got to him as a prospect. There's no doubt that he's still a first round prospect in my eyes, and I think that he could really become very important to what Miami is going to be doing for these next couple of years. Now at number nineteen, formerly was the football team's selection, but they traded up with the Minnesota Vikings, so this is now Minnesota's selection. I hinted before I made the trade that there was a specific pass rusher that I was looking at. He, I forgot the player. He played for the Vikings. He was more of a rotation defensive lineman. He signed with the Giants this past season. It feels like this player, um, in a sense, when it comes to their moves, and their athleticism, they're similar. But this player, and I have the Vikings selecting Jalen Phillips from Miami, is just a lot better of a prospect. He's probably the number one edge rusher in this draft. The he's very fun he's fundamentally sound. Uh his technique with his hands and his finesse moves to get around the offensive linemen, specifically the tackles. It's um, it's strong suits that would probably make him a top 10 pit selection. The only problem with Jalen Phillips is just his, he doesn't have, he's not the strongest. He doesn't look the strongest and he's, if he were to go against somebody like Samuel Cosme, he probably would struggle just due to the fact that he's he can easily get controlled by one single blocker and he could become a total non-factor in some games. But not only is that a problem, the problem that everybody's concerned about and the reason why a lot of other draft pundits have him going outside of the first round is his concussion history. He's probably one concussion away from retiring from football completely. He already retired once due to concussions and football injuries. He came back and he's a first-round prospect, which is you know great for his development. But this is an extremely risky pick. And the Vikings right now are taking a risk in selecting Jalen Phillips, but it's not like they've taken the risks like this before. So his, they're really betting on Jalen Phillips' health, and you just hope that that's... I mean, that's the only hope for Jalen Phillips is that he stays healthy because he is a very good pass rusher, very fundamentally sound, and he's he came off of a very good season, and we can hope that his momentum stays this way when it comes to entering next season. So yes, Jalen Phillips to the Minnesota Vikings at 19. At pick 20, the Chicago Bears are going to be selecting right here. I think with Chicago, I've thought about a number of positions. I don't I don't know how much longer Allen Robinson is going to stay in Chicago. I feel that if he is going to play in Chicago this season, this season will be his last over there. Their offensive line has been underwhelming. They just got rid of Kyle Fuller. They don't have very many other corners that that I like. But I'm a little 
I don't think that Caleb Farley would be a fantastic pick for Chicago right now, given that they're probably going to want to be more competitive this season. I think that they want to take a safe route instead of taking the risk of bringing in a player that's a little injury prone and they, they're they not going to select a quarterback right here. They're not going to go get themselves another quarterback. So I think that this the priority right now should be to get themselves a better offensive lineman. Andy Dalton is not the most mobile quarterback, and he just played in Dallas, who once upon a time they had a very good offensive line. But this season, this past season, they were cursed with injuries upon injuries on the offensive line in Chicago they don't necessarily have that same sort of thing but I believe that they should get themselves more insurance especially on the interior I'm gonna go grab them Elijah Vera Tucker from uh USC he played tackle a little bit this past season but I don't think that he's He's not a good pass protector. I'll say that. He's not a good pass protector. He does, however, have great footwork. He has an overabundance of strength when it comes to run blocking and being tenacious on uh, run blocks, run blocking assignments. When it comes to the pass protection, he doesn't really finish off his blocks. He doesn't seal them seal the defenders off completely and from time to time he just gets beat in pass protection which may be a bit of a concern if they want to protect Andy Dalton this upcoming season but I just I feel that if he played at a guard if he played at guard for the Chicago Bears I think he would give a lot more effort on that on that uh when it comes to pass protection, and I feel that he would be a very fine addition for Chicago, especially since they're, is it Montgomery, Dave Montgomery? Their running back really broke out this past season and getting them, getting himself a staple when it comes to run for running plays, Elijah Vera Tucker would fit in nicely. And knowing that he would go to a playoff maybe not contender, but a team that has playoff aspirations, go get themselves Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. At 21, I have the Indianapolis Colts selecting Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, the cornerback. Now, Indianapolis has not been known as a team that takes a whole lot of risks. They go get themselves the, the player that they know will make an immediate impact on their team. But for me, I look at look at it this way. They brought back Xavier Rhodes, who played well this past season. I'm not so sure that he can sustain that. He's getting up there in age. He This team plays a whole lot of zone, which I think fits very well with Caleb Farley. He's extremely versatile as a defensive back. He plays very well he probably plays best in man but in zone he's probably he was probably mat he matches that um his man ability 
uh, very well. He may not be the best press man corner in this draft. Uh, he, he may not be the most aggressive on the line of scrimmage, but this is a talent that you simply just cannot pass up. Caleb Farley, if he didn't have this issue, which I don't think should be an issue right now, he has this, he underwent a back procedure, which to some degree is concerning, uh, considering that he he's a, at least corners that deal with back injuries may not be the most durable throughout their career. I just have this feeling that Caleb Farley will, in the next couple of years, take over the NFL as one of the best corners in this draft. I really like what he brings from an athletic standpoint and from a coverage standpoint. You get a better prospect, a better corner prospect to develop in the secondary. You're not going to rely on Xavier Rhodes forever. They have Rock Yassin at uh, another cornerback position getting themselves Caleb Farley, getting themselves not only younger, but better at that position really only raises the ceiling of this team just that much higher. Now, the 22nd pick belongs to the Tennessee Titans, and this is also, it feels like everything has been a no-brainer pick, but this may end up being the steal of the draft. This is the Tennessee Titans selecting the receiver Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. He very much reminds me of the Vikings receiver Justin Jefferson. Uh, he's he's made an impact for his team. You know, ever since he stepped onto the field as a freshman, he reminds me of Justin Jefferson in the sense that they both run very. They're one of the best. They're the best route runners in their drafts they both have incredibly great hands and when it comes to um short yardage bursts and coming off of the line of scrimmage there's nobody in this draft better than Rashad Bateman extremely quick he I guess the only problem that I have with Bateman is his run blocking which it's for some cases, it may not be the most important thing when it comes to that, but when it comes to Bateman and his size at 6'2", 210, he's got to do a little bit be- better of a job at finishing blocks and really putting an effort to that. He had a fantastic 40 time. I need to see if... I forgot what his 40 time was, but I know that it was in like the 440s which is really good for Bateman. But I really didn't see that 440 speed uh, in his game tape. And he's coming off of a season where, it, you know, it was it was a disappointing season in a sense. He only played five games. But then again, this is a COVID season. It's extremely hard to to really get a feel of what these prospects are going to be and what it's hard to base their profiles off of this past season just due to how crazy of a season it was but Bateman is going to take in he's going to go to Tennessee 
playing that Corey Davis role as a second receiver, second fiddle to A.J. Brown. And that's going to be a very dominant receiver duo. You get themselves another sure thing. Bateman has been very durable. And you bring it, bring him in with A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill. It's only going to make this team better. There's a whole lot of weaknesses that... I don't know why, but a whole lot of fans don't really want to talk about the weaknesses of Tennessee. They they need a lot more receiver depth. They need better offensive linemen. They let Jack Conklin go last year. They just let Corey Davis walk. Um, they need better pass rushers. I like Harold Landry, but Clowney wasn't it last year. They let go of what felt like all of their starting corners last year. They released their safety last year. There's just a whole lot of a lot of holes that this team has that I don't know if they could make a another big playoff push again uh, with this current roster, but bringing in Rashad Bateman is a very good start to putting themselves back into that playoff picture. Now, the New York Jets are selecting again at number 23. They got this pick from trading away Jamal Adams to Seattle, so this is their pick via Seattle. I've thought about an offensive lineman right here, but I don't I'm not super sure if they're great fits at number 23. I've thought about the center from Oklahoma, Creed Humphrey. I thought that was a little too early, a little too rich for, for my liking. I'm gonna be selecting the ooh. Excuse me, the corner from Northwestern, Gregory Newsom II. He's a lot more of a a zone coverage corner, which is exactly what this New York Jets team is going to run. Uh, like I said earlier, they hired Robert Sala from San Fran, and they ran a whole lot of zone, mainly because they had Richard Sherman, who was getting up there in age and is not going to have the the speed that he once had. But Richard Sherman thrived in this uh, this zone system, and Gregory Newsom, who's is going to be, I would say, more fresh and more. Uh, he's going to be much quicker uh, when it comes to his instincts in the in the pass defense. He's probably one of the better tackling corners in this draft class. The Jets really struggled last year when it came to coverage assignments there's a lot of people getting there's a whole lot of confusion when it came to these coverage assignments and I think Gregory Newsom can elevate the secondary you know that much higher he became much more of a first round prospect when it came to his pro days he showed off to be uh, extremely quick and it seems that he has that that quick of speed when it comes to game time. I think that this is this is a perfect scheme fit for Gregory Newsom. This is his this is where he should go to the Jets at number twenty three. At number twenty four is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that this is also like I've said with probably all of the other picks that I've that I've made is a no brainer slam dunk selection uh Najee Harris the running back from Alabama to the Pittsburgh Steelers 
Najee really came on to the scene this past season being the very reliable pass catcher when it came to the screenplays. He has he reminds me a lot of the 2016 version of David Johnson and that's a really that's a damn good football player if you tell me. They both have at least that year's David Johnson and Najee Harris both had this this move where it was there was a whole lot of jump cuts that made each player more elusive. Najee Harris is much more of like a downhill runner. He's he he invites the contact per se. He runs a whole lot of He just runs through the middle for the most part, and that's a sign of a good running back if they you know, try to go down the middle. A lot of these other running backs, and that this is coming from you know last year's experience with the Cardinals, Kenyon Drake always tried to break it loose to the outside, and he would always... He wouldn't be able to create plays for himself that way. And whenever he ran up the middle, he did a whole lot better running up through the middle than to the outside and Najee Harris really excelled at going to the inside and making these jump cuts and inviting the contact and dragging defenders along with him and in the past game he's that much more of a threat great hands he had he's mainly used in the screen in the halfback screen plays which is perfect for a team like Pittsburgh who they're going to lose James Conner, and that's deservedly so because he really hasn't performed as well as Steelers fans would have liked. They can't keep relying on Benny Snell, and if they truly want to compete one more time with Big Ben like how they have been saying, then selecting Najee Harris to go along with some of these other weapons like Juju, uh, Washington... Deontay Johnson, uh, maybe they bring in some other players uh, through the draft, through free agency. Najee Harris is going to be a very useful selection for the Steelers. Now the 25th pick, it belongs to the Jacksonville Jaguars as well. They got this pick from... God, who do they get this pick from? It doesn't matter. They got this pick via trade. They get themselves the 25th pick, and I hinted earlier with the first pick that I would probably look at getting more protection for Trevor Lawrence. I don't think that with this current offensive line there, that he will survive for however many years. And knowing how dominant of a quarterback Lawrence was in college, I think that they're going to be looking to do a lot more pass plays, and for that reason, this may be a little bit of a release of a reach. I'm gonna be selecting Jalen Mayfield, the tackle from Michigan. Jalen Mayfield was an extremely good pass rush, pass blocker. I'll say. Um, he's a much larger tackle at six five three twenty. Um, he can line up on either side at left or right tackle which is which you know shows a lot um when it comes to versatility and given uh 
the circumstance with their team, they could, you know, put him at left or right, which is good. He has great blocking vision and just having a knack of having being at the right place at the right time when it comes to these pass rushers coming in uh just is a very good pass blocker and that's where I could start getting into his run blocking which is not very good he's a he doesn't he looks stiff when he's getting into his run blocking assignments he's not going to be a guy that will thrive when it comes to the running game but if you want to get somebody that could protect Trevor Lawrence in those passing plays then you got to get yourself Jalen Mayfield who is one of the more underrated tackles I think that eventually with this coaching he could become at least a league average uh, run blocker so Jalen Mayfield to Jacksonville provides the Jaguars with a lot more depth at the offensive line and a lot more options to, you know, to really see what this team has on the offensive line and they could make decisions from there. Now with the 26th selection is the Cleveland Browns who really had a, they had an awesome season this past season. Brought back a lot of their players. They're bringing back Odell. Plus they're adding players such as Troy Hill who is a very reliable corner for the LA Rams. They also brought in from the LA Rams John Johnson, a very a Pro Bowl caliber safety. So they're really making it a point to upgrade that defense. And I think that they don't have very many weaknesses from at this point. I think every position is filled up with great players. But there does come a point in time where they do have to add depth. And that's what I'm doing with this pick. And when it comes to depth, I'm looking at another pass rusher. I like Miles Garrett. Actually, never mind that. I love Miles Garrett as a pass rusher. Just looked extremely dominant all season last year. Olivier Vernon, their their second pass rusher, got he was a non-factor it felt like and he tore his Achilles so now he's out for quite some time so with this selection I'm gonna be selecting a player that to most people is falling and that's Quiddy Pay who I believe is from Michigan as well yes my problem with Quiddy Pay is that he is a only he's only a finesse move pass rusher He's very athletic, so he uses his athleticism to his advantage in trying to get past the offensive tackles. He uses his hands really well to just get off of the offensive lineman, and that's where his finesse comes in. I think that's that's really his only move. When that when that sort of play happens, when he's not getting past the offensive line he he can't really bull rush i mean he has he's not the strongest looking person and when it comes to a let's just use Mikai Becton or Tristan Wirfs as an example both are 
extremely athletic and Pro Bowl caliber tackles, Quiddy Pay will have an extremely tough time getting off of those, getting to the quarterback past those tackles. And he's a good pass rusher to to that extent, but and then he's not a good run defender either. So you kind of have to use him in, you know, sparingly in different pass rushing situations. You can only hope that he can develop a bulk and can develop as a run defender, but for but for right now he's one of the more overrated players in this draft and Quiddy Pay will have to develop a lot. He will have to develop a lot better uh, in the NFL, and I think he'll have time to do that. He'll be behind Garrett. He'll be on a playoff squad, and he'll develop experience behind those, behind a great number one pass rusher, and he's going to be practicing against one of the best offensive lines in the league. I think that Quiddy Pay will, if he's selected here, which is where I have him being selected, he'll develop pretty well in Cleveland. At number 27, I have the we have the Baltimore Ravens, a team that really didn't take that next step last season like how everyone was hoping for. They had an amazing offseason last season. They were expected to be more of Super Bowl contenders, and they expected, at least I expected, Lamar Jackson to take a big leap as a quarterback as a throwing quarterback and that really didn't happen and the defense very under very much underwhelmed they didn't develop a whole lot of pass rush and that's where I'm going to be going I'm going to be going in that direction with this year's draft and I'm going to be selecting Aziz Ajilari from Georgia who maybe from a pure pass rusher standpoint I like Rousseau. I like Jalen Phillips. But just being a complete defender at that outside linebacker position, he's probably one of the best, maybe the best, in this draft. When it comes to being a pass rusher, he's very explosive off of the line of scrimmage, so he could really get to the quarterback efficiently. And he also displayed a lot of great body control um and his use of hands is superb just his overall balance as a pass rusher is very impressive for somebody his size he's 6'2 250 a little a little lighter for a pass rusher and a little shorter for a pass rusher but just due to his athleticism and just being able to stay on his feet and change direction. He's just a very good, not only pass rusher, but he's a very good run defender with his athleticism. I think that the the only problem that I have with Ajilari is when it comes to, you know, maybe coverage, he's not the best. And maybe when it comes to bigger offensive tackles, like the Mekhi Beckton's, like the Tristan Wirfs, he may get out of position and may lose maybe not balance, but he may not be as effective when it comes to playing against these bigger offensive tackles, but Ajilari is a very complete outside linebacker and is a player that 
after losing Matthew Judon and not having very... And they also lost Yannick Ngakwe, who he wasn't a fit, but there's a player that they traded for. There, there, there isn't a whole lot of pass rush options for this team, and bringing in Ajalari would be a nice start and a nice uh, revamp to the, the pass rushing rotation. At number 28 now, we have the New Orleans Saints, who are looking at a retool. They saw their longtime franchise icon in Drew Brees retire. They brought in brought back Jameis Winston to for a year just to see if he could take over the reins. They due to them being in salary cap hell for the most part of this offseason, they had to get rid of a ton of players and that included Malcolm Jenkins who they signed to a four-year deal last offseason. They traded for Kawan Alexander during the season last year, and they had to cut him. They traded away Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown, the defensive tackle? Pretty sure it's Malcolm Brown. And they're still in salary cap hell, so they got to figure out some things on the when it comes to salary cap. And the... Loss of Kawan Alexander. He didn't play too many games, but it's clear that they wanted to upgrade that inside linebacker position. And getting rid of him and probably the the unlikeliness of bringing in a better inside linebacker than Kawan Alexander. I'm going to have him select the Notre Dame kid, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa a player that is extremely explosive. He's very instinctive when it comes to his coverage abilities. He's he he'll never give up. He's a very he gives off a lot of effort and when it comes to just playing all over the field, this is a football player that you would want. He's just a good football player. He from a lateral, you know, when it comes to lateral quickness and being able to chase down ball handlers, he that you can't find a lot of other inside linebackers better. I guess when, it, as much as we love the efforts that Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa displays, he's not the best tackler. And when it comes to on head or head on blocks, you know, in the trenches, per se. He has a hard time using his hands and just getting around the offensive lineman. But just know that this is a player that you would want, not only in coverage, but just on the field in general when it comes to these, uh, just any play in general. He'll never, he'll, he's he just gives outstanding effort throughout the entire game. And it's just a player that you would, want to be around he's very infectious with his uh his effort and just the way that he tries to hype up his team per se uh jeremiah wusu koromoa is a is a player that new i i would think and i would want new orleans to have now we have the green bay packers we're almost finished with this mock draft the packers at 29 and green bay has had a 
very uh they they haven't had a good off season if I'd say so myself. They brought in they brought back their running back on a large four year deal and those deals never turn out well. Uh they brought back a long snapper, they brought back a thirty eight year old tight end, and they brought back a corner that was shown to be a horrible liability and that cornerback position is something that this team kind of needs to start looking at. This team, when it comes to the cornerback position, has Jair Alexander, who is one of the top three, five corners in the league when it comes to man and zone coverage. And outside of that, Kevin King was terrible. And outside of that, I there's Josh Jackson, but he's not much of a threat when it comes to being a number two corner so for those reasons alone I'm gonna be selecting the Florida State cornerback Asante Samuel Jr. and extremely he reminds me of Byron Murphy in a sense just a little bit shorter and lighter he's very athletic and he has great ball skills and awareness he plays a lot of press man so kind of like jc horn if he was selected by the cardinals it would have been a perfect fit but for but for green bay he they get a player that will just show a lot more effort and athleticism into that cornerback position which outside of jair alexander there's not any other corner on that roster that can that can cover and can run as well as asante samuel he, when it comes to uh, picking up his coverage assignments in in zone coverages, he's very quick with that, and just his awareness in general is is outstanding. When it, whether that's before the play happens or when the ball is being thrown at him, he knows when to turn around and make a play on the ball, and he's just in a very explosive corner. There's times where he he can be penalty prone, which is one of the downsides of having these aggressive press man corners. And he's a, you know, for his size, not only will he not be a good tackler in this league, but his, his lack of height, you know, being 5'10 and a corner is going to be difficult, especially if he's going to go against a lot of these 6'1", 6'2", lanky receivers it's going to be difficult for him to cover those guys but when it comes to his efforts and his awareness you can bet that he'll make quite a bit of plays on the ball with yeah just his abilities will have him make a bunch of plays on the ball so Asante Samuel to Green Bay would be a another very good selection for Green Bay and it that's all I got to say that it's just going to be a good selection now at pick 30, we have the Buffalo Bills, a team that really doesn't have too many weaknesses. And the players that are available, I don't think that they're great fits at the selection that they're slotted to pick at. So we are going to look at some trade down options. And that is exactly what we're going to do for our uh, our last trade of this mock draft, we're going to trade down from thir- pick 30 to pick 39 with the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers will give up 
pick 39, pick 113, pick 151, and a future third round pick to move up into the first round once again. And now Carolina is up. Now they selected Kyle Pitts earlier in the draft. They have Sam Darnold. Right now they have not brought in another tackle. Uh, right now they last year they had Russell Okung to be that left tackle, and he's right now not on the roster. So to get some insurance on the tackle position, I'm gonna be selecting Dylan Radunes from North Dakota State, a player that comes from another small school. He's gonna be coming from where Trey Lance was, so he's his number one blocker. An extremely tough and physical specimen, I guess you could say. Uh, when it comes to a, you know, a fundamental standpoint, when it comes to bending his knees and getting in position, he's one of the best tackles from that standpoint. He uses his body very well to position himself and being able to seal off a lot of these defenders. He just has great awareness from that standpoint. I guess the only pro- the only problems that I have with him is that he sometimes can be not balanced and not the most... He'll be dominant in some plays, but he's not going to be... When it comes to drive blocking and just going deeper and deeper into the trenches. He's not going to be as dominant as you would like for him to be, especially at at his size, 6'5", 301. But when it comes to his explosiveness and his awareness as a pass protector and a, and a run blocker, there's not a whole lot of other tackles in this draft better than him at that. He, the Carolina Panthers jump the... Kansas City Chiefs, who are looking for a player like Dylan Radunes, and they get themselves another tackle to pair with with Taylor Moton, who they franchise tag. So now Sam Darnold is going to be a setup very nicely to succeed with the amount of weapons that is around him and the, the solid offensive line that this team has assembled. Dylan Radunes to 30 would be a home run selection. At pick 31, we now have the Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl runner-ups. This team in the Super Bowl got dominated by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line and just their linebackers in general. It was mainly due to their tackles, their starting tackles being out for that Super Bowl. Eric Fisher, their left tackle tore his Achilles a few weeks prior, and Mitchell Schwartz, their right tackle, was already out for the year. Now both of them are gone, which is maybe not the best decision. Mitchell Schwartz was a top 10, top 5 blocker at the right tackle position. And Eric Fisher, it makes a little bit more sense since he's going to be out for a lot longer and this is a major injury that he would need to come back from. An Achilles injury is extremely difficult to come back from. So offensive line is still going to remain a priority for this Chiefs team. 
and a little bit more of a reach as well. But I'm going to be selecting Liam Eichenberg. Eichenberg from Notre Dame. A player that was very strong and very large at coming in at 6'6", 302. He, I guess, the reason why he's a little bit more of a reach is due to his, he doesn't do a very good job when it comes to these finesse pass rushers that just explode off the line of scrimmage. And he may not be the most effective blocker in motion, and he's not the He's not a quick, fluid tackle right now. So he's a little bit more raw. He displays a lot of great awareness when it comes to some of these interior pass rushers. And he picks up a lot of stunts and a lot of blitzes very, very nicely. And he's a very, he's a lot more of a guard He's He excels when it comes to straight-on blocking and just the people in front of him instead of having to move laterally. So he he's best fitted for being a guard and being tasked with the run-blocking assignments. I do think that he could excel as a tackle, and that's where I would still try to develop him with this Chiefs team. I think that just this main the main priority is to try to protect Patty Mahomes as much as possible. And they already got their guards figured out with signing Joe Tooney and bringing in Kyle Long. And they brought in another center. His name's Austin Blythe from the Rams. But they got to figure out something at the tackle positions. And bringing in Liam Eikenberg would be... If Dylan Radunes is off the board by then... Liam Eikenberg is another selection that would be very important to a Super Bowl a Super Bowl ready team. And now with the final selection of the first round and the final selection of this mock draft, it belongs to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's a team that it they have no weaknesses at all. All they have to do is just bring in like developmental players or just somebody that could upgrade a position. This team, I guess you can make the case for maybe another inside linebacker since Levante David is getting older. Maybe you can get yourself another pass rusher since Jason Pierre-Paul is getting older. But defensive line, great. Their secondary, one the best in the game. Their offensive line, no concerns. Their receivers, no concerns. Their quarterback, no concern. Their running back, same can be said. But I left off at the running back position, and they have a ton of great players there. They have they brought back Leonard Fournette, who was really good in the come playoff time. Ronald Jones, who is 
a lot more athletic and can pass out. He could catch out of the backfield a lot better than Fournette was a perfect compliment. And they also drafted Keyshawn Vaughn last year in the third round. But there's a player that's still left right now who is probably, if he enters the league, he's probably going to be a lot better than the guys that are available to this team. And the player that I'm talking about is Travis Etienne from Clemson, a player that is very well-rounded. He's very patient, uh, waiting for his blocks to develop and finding a hole. From that sense, he kind of reminds me of uh, Adrian Peterson. Not saying he is Adrian Peterson, but from that standpoint, just being patient and waiting for a hole to open up. When it comes to just immediately touching the ball, his short area quickness and just immediately getting around the defenders is superb. And when it comes to being a pass catcher for this team, he's he's very good at tracking the ball with that. And he makes... You know, he's going to be matched up against a lot of these inside linebackers and maybe slot corners, and he does a very good job at making the difficult reception, making the difficult catch. And when it comes to, you know, he may not make an impact when it comes to blocking, but when it comes to play-action plays, he does a very good job at selling the the fake run. Does a very good job at that, and that is able to open up a ton of things for the receivers, the quarterback. He just does a very good job. He's very good. He has very good awareness as well. You know, he may not be the most overly creative ball carrier when it comes to making defenders miss, whether that be from jukes, spins, uh, stiff arms. He's more of a straight-on runner. But this is a player that is also a first-round talent. It's hard to select a player for this Bucks team that's just complete and ready to win another championship next season. But Travis Etienne to Tampa will only elevate this team's offense to Travis Etienne will develop this offense and bring that offense to new heights and with that that'll be the end of today's episode and I thank you guys very much for listening go ahead and follow the official Instagram of the AZ Sports Podcast it is at the AZ Sports Podcast and I'll see you guys in the next episode